as an editor of a food magazine, I think there's a lot of people out there that probably think that that is a job that comes with lots of glamour and intrigue. <laughs> well, if by glamour you mean freshly baked brownies that come out of our test kitchen, then yes, and that is what I consider glamorous, so it's a perfect fit for me. <laughs> everyone to From A to Zara, the podcast about all things content. I'm very excited today because we're talking about the letter C and everyone knows C is for cookie. It's also for cake and community and curation and a topic that may not be super exciting but very important to content and that is calendars. So I'm excited to have Caroline also starting with a C, Caroline Gray here. She's the editor of Easy Food Magazine. Thanks for joining, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Very excited. I know, yeah. obviously. <laughs> it's to be expected. <laughs> so I just wanted to get started um, before we kind of dig into the C topics. Just maybe share a little bit about what your job entails. Exactly. Yeah. So we, I'm the editor of Easy Food. So that's we publish Easy Food. It's a monthly print consumer magazine, so people can buy it on the newsstands. It comes out 10 times a year. So more or less what's involved in that is kind of working with uh, the editorial team on Easy Food, as well as we have three food stylists slash recipe testers. So myself and Jocelyn, who is the deputy editor of Easy Food, we would kind of create, I suppose, a timeline for each issue and decide like, right, what are we going to put in the next issue that's coming up kind of based on, you know, uh, like seasonality or what month it is. We kind of decide what we want in there, write the recipes, um, send it to the food stylist slash recipe testers. They would cook everything. And then we have an in-house photographer who shoots it all. And then once we have, I suppose, like the recipes and the images, they go to our graphic designer. She makes the magazine look beautiful, puts it all together. And then the editing process kind of starts. So it's looking back, making sure that, you know, not only is every page filled and the recipes are obviously all correct, but that I suppose if somebody were to look at the recipe, like, does it make sense? Are the, you know, are all the ingredients taken care of? You know, everything that I suppose it's not only just proofreading it, but it's like looking at it from a really practical cooking point of view. And then obviously just kind of getting it to the stage where it's ready to print and get to the newsstand. So because it's 10 times a year, it's very cyclical. Like you're always thinking a few months ahead and, you know, it's um, August now and we've already kind of started pulling together Christmas ideas. So you kind of lose track as to what month it actually is of the year because you're always working like two or three months ahead anyway. But um, it's really fun, like for anybody that loves cooking, and I really like editing because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so <laughs> anybody, you know, it's a great combination of kind of using different skills in terms of like writing and editing and, you know, just, I guess, brainstorming and idea creating uh, with cooking as the background to all of it. So I absolutely love it. But um, yeah, I suppose the intrigue would just be more, you know, what does go on behind the scenes of it and what is involved because you see some kind of food publications and it's sort of like uh, they're all just like they seem as if they just kind of appear there and it's like Mm -hmm. oh there's a picture of a casserole and then there's the recipe but there's loads of steps that go on behind it and like again if you're into it it's super fun definitely I like watching it when when they're styling the food and sort of seeing because you see these beautiful pictures but you don't realize what like you're saying what goes on to get that picture that's the thing and it's like you might have this like beautiful layered cake and you know you're kind of seeing like right what's the best angle to make it look it's to make it look its best 
And obviously if something's really tall, we're going to say like, right, shoot it from a low angle. Let's see if we can get a slice taken out. If there's like an egg yolk or an icing, you can get it kind of dripping down the side. It's that total like, you know, just mind boggling food porn thing that like everybody is so into anyway, because at the end of the day, like, you know, everybody eats and everybody loves food and stuff. So it's just kind of giving the people what they want. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's that thing. So you like, you're looking at it and you're like, how is this? sandwich going to look it's most amazing and you try to capture that and then because we have our own test kitchen and we get to eat said sandwich it's a (laughs) win-win i'm not complaining about that perk either (laughs) yes having a test kitchen on site is pretty amazing and having people who do that all the time like you have all the resources you need Mm. in one place which makes the job i'm sure a little easier definitely Yeah. yeah it's like that's i think we're the only ones in Ireland, as far as I know, that have our own test kitchen on site. And it has made, we've had, I think the like food stylist and the photographer on board for, geez, I'm losing track, maybe two years now. And the time before that, it's crazy what a difference it makes. Just kind of having all the resources in house to create your own content rather than we used to outsource everything. So it was, you know, we would write the recipes in house, but then we would outsource it to photographers you know, obviously in Ireland, there were some in England, but then as far as Hawaii and South Africa, so they would create it and they would send the images back, which worked fine for us. But now that we have it in house and we can see, you know, the, the food stylist can come upstairs and say like, Hey, listen, this cake isn't working. We need to redo it. Um, rather than just getting like a line in an email and saying like, I adjusted the sugar content to whatever. So it's so, it just makes it this full circle that we didn't really realize we were missing before. So having the resources to do it in house, um, you know, we can see the food, we can taste the food, we can control the image. Uh, and then when readers write in, it's such a great way to be able to, um, I suppose, have that like authority over it because they'll write in and say like, I want to make that cake. Where did you buy that tin that you used? Or I love that plate and that image. And we can say, because we're local, I bought it from this shop or you can go here or whatever. Nothing is ever like, oh shoot, like this was our Hawaiian photographer and like they're actually not going to be able to get these beautiful seasonal strawberries in February like she can. So yeah, it's just, it's made such a huge difference to the way our workflow goes, but also I think like the validity of the magazine and the work we do is like, you know, on its own level. There's a reason you're number one. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put that out there. I mean... (laughs) I'd like to say we don't shot it from the rooftops, but we totally do. It's on the cover of every magazine. So. <laughs> but you also bring up a good point about collaboration, which mm-hmm. starts with a C, and I hadn't even scheduled that topic <laughs> in, so perfect. It's just going to flow organically. <laughs> this is how we work. It's just a big cycle. Another C, soft C, but it works. <laughs> exactly. I think all of this um, lends itself handily to talking about curation, mm-hmm. because a lot of what you do is curating all these different things. So can you, you kind of touch on it already, but can you share maybe your process for how you pick and choose what's actually going to make it into a final issue? Yeah. So we work, say, a few months ahead because say, you know, it depends on, I will know from, you know, say that we're in August now. So in a couple of months, like maybe by October, I will have the print schedule for 2018. So, and it has every date on it from, you know, when it's on sale to what date I have to upload it. So working backwards, I'll know like, um, okay, if we're working on the January issue, uh, we'll have to upload it this day, which means we're going to have to start shooting it at such and such a time. So let's start planning it however many weeks or months ahead. So we'd sit down and we'd say, right, okay, January, um, the first things that come to mind, obviously it's going to be winter. So we're going to want to focus on kind of warming, comforting foods. 
Um, but then also it's right after Christmas. So we're going to want to include healthy things because people are going to still like, they're going to want to be on that January health kick. So the first things you kind of think about are just like, what do people want? Like we're always, everything we put out there, it's not to necessarily say this is what you need to be doing, but it's answering the question. It's, it's solving the problem for people. And like we always say with easy food, you know, it's, we're, we're always answering the question, what's for dinner. And that's been since easy food was started, you know, like 14 years ago. And it's not only now that we're kind of realizing like it's such a great way to dictate how we decide what goes in. So we'll decide like, yeah, so there's certain things people are going to want. They're going to want healthy food. They're going to want, um, winter warmers, like, and then we always try to balance things out. So you're not going to want an issue that's necessarily all winter warmers and they all feature chicken. So we balance it. We start kind of at the top level of different, uh, I suppose, like content pieces like that. Uh, so like healthy, wintry, or like, you know, something baking that we always include stuff for kids cooking. We'll um, always include something like what's in season. So obviously January, you're going to get into like root vegetables and kind of like hearty things. And then working down from that. So then we have, we know how many pages are in every magazine and we know, say, we're always going to dedicate like 15 pages to like just everyday dinners, then maybe another 15 pages to like kind of more fun, challenging cooking. And then, then we just kind of choose our feature. So this is sort of where we start to look, you know, into other, like I, you know, what other, what trends are happening. So if things are really popular, if people are really, really into like, you know, smoothies or brothy soups or cauliflower like we're going to want to touch on that we're going to want to but now you're looking you're looking so far ahead how does the trend piece play into that is it are you trying to forecast trends i think it's kind of a bit of everything we look to so many places so Mm. you know we know what people in ireland like we do a lot of reader research and we know without a doubt that our readers of easy food like you know they're home cooks they're not necessarily people that are like you know super super i suppose not even high they're home cooks. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. like everyday cooks. They, they want to put something on the dinner, yeah. on the table for dinner that night. Um, and they buy chicken like four times more than they buy like beef or lamb or fish or anything like that. Um, so like we know what's going on in Ireland, but then we'll look to other places. Like we'll look at magazines in the Philippines. Or there's this like some really great like food magazines there, obviously in Australia, in the States. And then just kind of like different websites and stuff. Like, I mean, even just those like silly articles sometimes that you see like, this is the hot new food for whatever. And it might be something you're like, oh, really? We're like, cool, let's jump on that. Let's start, let's do a little feature on them and see how it plays out. And because we have a really good dialogue with our readers, like through Facebook, or they'll write in, or they're quick to email and just say like, oh, I loved this feature. And they often send in photos of things they're cooking themselves. So we know if something like maybe falls flat or if you start seeing it more and more. So I think it's like, we want to balance with easy food. We always balance what people are doing today and what they need to solve their cooking problems like today, but also kind of keep like push them a little bit, like introduce new ingredients. If we like, when we started seeing, um, you know, I suppose like say Harissa or Sriracha, like those started popping up in a lot of recipes we were finding on different blogs or again, like articles saying like, Oh my gosh, you have to use this. So we started kind of putting it into some of our recipes. And then like people were like, Oh my God, this stuff is delicious. Where do I find it? How do I get it? And then you start seeing like, you know, Tesco are doing their own brands, Sriracha, and they're stocking Harissa now. So it's kind of just like, if you see something and you start seeing that it's sort of, it's gaining momentum, you know, maybe in other places, like we just want to make easy food kind of a source to sort of like distill all of that down, but again, make it accessible to readers. Like we're not going to put this recipe out there for them. That's going to take them like three days to make and has all these like insane ingredients. But you know, it's always like doing a twist of something. So it might be like, um, 
chicken skewers, which people love anyway and they're familiar with, but like, let's make it with this harissa paste instead. And people are like, okay, I can do that. Like, and sure, if at the end of the day, I, you know, spend three euro on a bottle of harissa and like, I don't end up loving it, it's not the end of the world either. Right. So yeah, I think it's just kind of seeing what's out there, seeing what kind of, if, and at the end of the day, like those of us that work on easy food are big foodies anyway. Like we yeah. love food. We love just like trying new things. So if we think something sounds really cool, we're like, let's do it. Like, let's put it in the magazine. And I suppose that's where it's really fun because like, because we control everything and like we can do all of the creation in-house, you know, we'll test something. If it's totally gross, we're like, right, we're obviously not going to print that. We'll just so feed it to the rest of the staff. We'll just like, we'll just put it in the kitchen and be like, right guys, some, <laughs> some very weird sriracha cakes are downstairs. And everyone's like, I'll eat it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> we won't do that to our readers though. <laughs> We do love them too much. (laughs) But yeah, so it's just kind of, it's just keeping your, I guess your ear to the ground. And again, it's food. So it's like, if you find something that sounds really cool and really interesting, work it into the magazine. Um, But like that being said, it's always balancing it with answering that question of what's for dinner and knowing what our features are every issue. Like we like that our readers know what to expect. Like they're they're not going to open an issue and see a completely different layout and content and they know that they're going to find the healthy section at a certain point in the magazine they know they're going to find competitions up at the front of the magazine so they they know what to expect but like we just like to make subtle changes throughout and usually that's in the form of like maybe some different trends or different ingredients or a way of doing something that's really cool yeah just sort of the the thinking the thought that goes behind it and um And always keeping your readers or your users or your customers mm-hmm. at top of mind, right? What can we do to help them provide value? That's and that's, that's always the guiding force when you're, or it should be when you're creating content. That's it. Totally. So you touched on this a little bit, but, um, so curation, I think it's a really hot topic right now because you can only create so much content. And so a lot of people are looking to like, how can I curate content? How can I mm-hmm. find cu- content from other places and, and put it mm-hmm. together? And um, do you have any tips, I guess, for curating content or ways that people can maybe go about doing it better? So I suppose, like, I think it's just kind of identifying what you're answering. I suppose, like, so we know what our, um, you know, target audiences and we know what they're looking for from us like we're not trying to be all things cooking to all people and then finding I suppose other sources of content or other um uh, yeah like outlets of it that have something similar that provide that and I guess just sort of like I guess distilling it in a way that works as well for your audience I suppose so yeah I think it's more of just look again kind of keeping your ear to the ground finger on the pulse type of thing and dedicating a certain amount of time to looking at that kind of content and um yeah I suppose just sort of like distilling it in a way that works for your audience as well right like taking like maybe taking the essence of these different disparate sources and Mm -hmm. pulling out what you think is valuable that's it yeah so it's like you know if if we're looking at something again say it's the magazine in the Philippines or whatever. There's obviously going to be a lot of things that like we're not necessarily going to be able to use or ingredients are different or cooking styles are different or we don't have the right, um, you know, uh, equipment at all in the kitchens. Like what do they do or what are they doing well that's like really resonating with their readers and we can kind of adapt it in a way that works for us. Like, you know, 
again, like I was mentioning before, like the whole reader research thing or just like kind of consumer surveys, interacting with your audience, whether it is like something kind of formal, like a research or, you know, just being active on social media and knowing that they can kind of respond and say what works or, you know, what's again, resonating well with the people you're trying totally. to reach. Um, it just provides such good feedback and it's like, right. Okay. If they're really responding well to this video content, like what can we do in house to create something yeah. and like distill that back to them? Or if it's something as simple as like, um, you know, a quick cooking tip or an infograph or something like seeing again, like what not necessarily your competitors, but like people, I guess like your peers and other places are doing. And just again, kind of reformatting that in a way that works for your own readers, mm-hmm. I suppose, or again, audience, not just readers. Yeah. I think having that conversation is very important. Mm-hmm. Another C word, just throwing That's, that out yeah. there. <laughs> just don't stop. Um, And then last piece on the curation, but what are the other places that you go to for excellent curated content? Yeah. Um, I suppose there's a few. And it doesn't have to be cooking related. It can be just sort of. Just anything. Yeah. Cool. So I suppose like, um, let's see. Well, there are, a lot of them are cooking that we go to. So I suppose like a general one so there's, I suppose a few like different websites just like kind of, and again, these are good, like, I guess, social curations because like you kind of get people, um, they have really good online presences. So Mm -hmm. we love like the kitchen. Um, and they're just, you know, it's an online site. They have like, uh, great recipes and cooking tips, just really practical things. So we love going there for just kind of ideas for easy food Mm -hmm. because they seem like quite on par. Like now they're not a printed magazine, but it's, because they are online again like I was saying like just the social reach they have is it's it's great and that's something like we would definitely aspire to um visually like there's different sites just where people can post I suppose like it's sort of nearly like an Instagram but just a food photos there's food gawker and taste spotting now like we always go there just when we're trying to create ideas for um food styling so like and like Pinterest is a amazing one like we use that all the time because like say our food stylists you know she would say get the recipes or the features that we're going to be working on and she would go on to pinterest and create mood boards for like every one of those features so like again if right now we are shooting october she's looking at ideas for like fun halloween ideas or kind of like darker boards and like maybe some you know more homey comforting type of things Mm -hmm. Whereas obviously if we're shooting like a summer issue, it's going to be really like light and bright and airy yeah. and outdoorsy. Um, where else do I go? Like I was saying before, just even the um, online food magazines, like we use Zinio and subscribe to a lot of different like food magazines that way. So we can kind of keep in t- like keep up to date with magazines again, like in Australia or the States, um, South Africa is great. Philippines this one yummy is just like it's so cute it's really amazing and there's great design ideas so even like that we'd have to pull ideas for our graphic designer because if we're saying like right we wanted to start looking this way um you know she's going to need kind of a little bit of guidance there and then I suppose just like you know things like Gawker and BuzzFeed honestly like they're just such great like portals for everything and obviously like BuzzFeed has tasty so and they've really been leading the way in a lot of like video content for food and again, like they're just popping it out. It's just constant. Like they're always providing, even if it's just something like scrolling. I think that's a really interesting thing about food content at the minute is like, it's not just for people who are home cooks. It could, you know, somebody could have never cooked in their life, but like people are still looking at these videos of like the ultimate three ingredient chocolate cake. Cause it's 
you know, 40 seconds and it's this really amazing video. So I think that's the thing. Like, that's like, it seems like the next level of not just food content, but I think like that's such a goal with content in general is just to get it to a point where you're getting people who are like not necessarily into it or they're not your target market originally, but like the content is so good that like they're going to absorb it anyway. Definitely. And especially with video, right? Like if you can make something that looks really interesting, it's engaging and people who may not have any interest in the topic Mm -hmm. are still sort of wrapped up in it and you make it short. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Like it can't be, it can't be a five minute long how to bake a chocolate cake video. Exactly. And that's the thing. And I think there's a time and a place for that, but it's just, you know, it's being smart and like we're working with so many clients and they're wanting to create this stuff and they're coming to us and like that's the kind of I guess feedback that you give to them it's like you have to know what works and like you might have this idea in your head that like right we want to make this amazing 15 minute like step-by-step thing it's like well that's great and all but like if no one's gonna watch it that's the thing. Nobody's, nobody's <laughs> like I'm not gonna watch that no. <laughs> like, and I love cooking I love like intricate stuff yeah. like that but at the end of the day like And I think that's, again, it's like when you're kind of looking to see what other people are doing and it could be something as simple as like, you know, um, like three kitchen disasters. And it's just sometimes I think it's like working everything in, in everything in the post works together. So it's like you have this great video, you have a super catchy like headline that's going to draw people in and like that before they know it, people have like watched five videos because they're just, you know, sitting there on the bus or whatever, scrolling through and, um, And I think like that, especially with food, because it is something that like everybody's involved in. I think like whatever you're trying to put out there, just think of what the most interesting things are anyway. Like Mm -hmm. I always find asking people like what lunches they had growing up as kids. Like everybody has something to say and everybody loves talking about that. Or like what's a kitchen disaster you've had or what's and like people, there are certain things people just like really enjoy talking about. So like, and again, I suppose that's kind of just like a another way of like curating content or something nearly. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of seeing what people like to talk about and then put that out there, like put, make that available online or in print or wherever you're posting your content. Um, and like that, if you're getting a good reaction from people just chatting about it, like chances are you're going to get a good response from your audience yeah. as well. We call that the pub quiz. If it's ah, something that people like in the it. pub would talk yeah. about and it would like spark interest and you're, you're drinking a pint and then I you're like, like chances are that's going to make a good piece of content that will Perfect. resonate with people who are not in the pub. Exactly. Yep. I mean, we can't all be in the pub all the time. So right. Oh, nor, nor should we be. Nor should we. <laughs> Get in the kitchen. <laughs> Excellent. So um, I'm going to move on to a topic that's actually mm-hmm. near and dear to my heart because mm-hmm. I am kind of an organizing nerd. Um, calendars. <laughs> so good. So as as the editor of a very popular and busy uh, food magazine, how, what part do you, I mean, I know they must play a huge part in your life, but how yeah. do you sort of go about organizing your calendar? Are there special tools you use? Any, mm-hmm. any insights around calendars? Cool. I also love calendars. So <laughs> I used to, before we kind of got into more like online versions of it, I was literally just printing off like big, well, I suppose it's not huge, but like an A3 sheet with like six months of calendars on each and just writing everything in. And then I found that might work well for me, but because I'm in such a big team, it's not like everybody is checking my personal A3 calendar all the time. So like that, because we have a big team um, and everybody is collaborating all the time anyway, like we're writing something, but then we need to know, like we always work backwards, I suppose, like that. Like I said, we have the, you know, the whole year's worth of print dates. We know the date that it's on sale. And then working backwards, we know 
the day that it's approved, when it starts in design, when all the content has to be in, when it's being shot, and then the first step is planning it. So planning, writing, so working forward. And that way, just having kind of those dates in mind keeps everything on track because the last thing you want, and I remember being in the situation before where, you know, it's whatever date and you look down at your calendar, you're like, oh my God, I was supposed to have, you know, 40 recipes written today and I have zero. So that's a disaster and nobody needs that anxiety in their life. So we now kind of use a, um, a couple of different things. So we'll use team up. So just kind of like, you know, an online or just sort of like a, yeah, I suppose like a digital shareable calendar Mm -hmm. with everybody. So that's a great way just to make sure that people that you're not say in chatting distance to can see what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, we'll book out, we always shoot, say, in the boardroom slash studio in the office. So, like, we will be able to, like, book that and everybody else in the company anyway will know, like, okay, sure, that room is busy this day or they can, you know, we can, like, liaise and change things around. Just, and then even within our team, we find one of, like, the best ways to do it is, like, we just have giant wall-mountable calendars. And that way, and like just different color coding systems and knowing, okay, this means, this color means photography. This color means it's videos. This color means it's the magazine. This color means that it's client work. Um, I think when you're juggling so many different things, it can feel really overwhelming, but just sort of, I suppose, using like, again, we just use kind of the mixture of the digital and the, like the tacit on the wall type of system that as long as everybody can see it and everybody can kind of like make sure that it's adjustable and that you know where everybody is at all times, it, it kind of, it's really enjoyable then nearly because like you're moving along, you feel like you're getting things done. And yeah. I think when you've been in that situation, when things just kind of fall on you and you're like, oh my gosh, where did the days go? And why haven't I done this yet? You never want to be there again. And um, yeah, it just makes kind of planning and scheduling ahead that much better and at least at like that way you can kind of make sure because we're obviously working with like the food stylists and the photographers and the writers but then also you know our printers and we need to know where the magazine is mm-hmm. is it on a ship being shipped over from the printer to go to the distributors like there are so many different elements especially within a magazine that kind of need to be monitored at all times so it's really vital just to kind of keep everybody in the loop at all times and just being proactive about it like email ahead of time and say like to the printer like do you know that like the job has to be ready by this time and obviously nine times out of ten they're always like of course I know it's my job to know (laughs) like leave me alone (laughs) but it works so (laughs) yeah and I think I think one of the takeaways definitely for anyone who creates content is having a calendar definitely increases visibility Mm -hmm. so everyone sort of knows where you're at with things the progress of projects Mm -hmm. um for me personally I like looking ahead and saying, okay, I know that I'm going to need a blog post for next Friday. So what can I be doing now to make sure that that blog post is ready to go? Um, And it just kind of, I guess, increases the accountability for everyone, especially when you see like lots of different names on there and you know who's responsible for what that can be very handy. That's the thing. And I know like with design, they'll use like Trello and that's fab because you can kind of like book something in and they can see who's working on what at different times. Um, so that's, again, just another, like, it's a great tool, but, um, and like that, like you're saying, just like kind of working ahead, a lot of our clients, a lot of people we work with, they'll book projects in on a six month basis. So we'll get a calendar from them 
once in January and that lasts us till June. So you really have to be proactive about it and like that, just making notes for yourself to say, okay, like recipes are due to them on the Tuesday. Let me make sure I have them done by Friday. I'll start working on them on Monday. Yeah. And just putting those little notes down all the time and like, I mean, I really, like, is there anything more satisfying than, like, crossing things off your to-do list? God, so, no. <laughs> I <know>. Preach. <laughs> so it's just one of those, like, I mean, I suppose having everything written down and just not leaving yourself. And I used to be really bad with, I just think I'd remember things. And, like, you know, somebody can tell you something to you. And you're like, yeah, of course, I'll get to that right now. And then somebody else comes up to you and suddenly everything's out of your mind. So without fail, as soon as somebody says something to me, whether it's, can you, you know, open that window or something? Well, maybe not that pet. But like, if it's something as little as like, I don't even know. Look open window. Check. Open, check. Done. Awesome. <laughs> I have a very large diary. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I write everything down, get it on the calendar right away. And um, it just, it keeps everything flowing so much better. Yeah. And the other thing that I think it's good for is you can go back and look and say, look how much we got done mm -hmm. in this month. Or, yep. you know, like maybe we make a few changes next month because this yep. the one thing didn't work in June. That's you know, the thing, and totally. Can, yep. And like when you book things ahead and especially when you know how long certain things take, whether it's, you know, we can fill, it takes us say two hours to film one video. Knowing that we're obviously not going to be able to schedule like 10 videos in a day. Um, so we'll get projects in and kind of just knowing your own timelines helps you like put that on the calendar. And then when you look at it and you see, okay, our days are filled up. We actually cannot take any more clients on this month or we have two free weeks. Let's, you know, get on our horse and like make sure we book people in for that week because like, you know, it's wait, you're getting on a horse. We <laughs> just said <laughs> I mean, really... horses on the food seat. Oh, is that not a thing down? Okay. Never mind the horses. I never said anything. <laughs> Must be an Irish phrase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what, what like the American version of that would be. Is it like get, get on your get... SUV, get, get in your Hummer? <laughs> it's a whole nother podcast. It's, whole... it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about that. Cliches. Yeah. It starts with C also. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. I got the horse thing got me it got me off track. <laughs> I should have never brought that up. <laughs> so yeah. So either way, either it's just yeah, calendars are an absolute lifesaver and big, big, big fan of them. We love calendars. We love calendars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving right along. So as a foodie, you are familiar with the passionate community of foodies that yes. exist out there. So my question to you is, how do you go about fostering community? Like, how do you go about sort of building that? And what role does your content play? Yeah, so I think it's like, it's definitely, you know, a cyclical thing like that. I think we have a community because of the content. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people aren't, you know, with our, especially like we have a great, we have a easy food is such a great community. Like there are so many people that will like get in touch and say that they've bought every single issue since issue number one. And we're on issue 124 now. Wow. So, you know, it, it's really, they've really created That's this, commitment. It, that is, that is commitment. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> and so we're, we're so lucky to have that. Like we have this amazing base. That being said, we obviously always want to grow that. And, you know, when Easy Food first started, it was um, just a print publication. So people would be buying the issue. They'd be, like, writing in letters. They'd be emailing. Now we're really trying to reach, like, we can see from our own analytics that, like, a lot of our followers are, 
like that in South Africa or Germany or the United States. So it's cool to think that like some of the content we're putting out there, it's not necessarily that they're getting it from the magazine, but they're getting it maybe from our, you know, uh, social and online communities. So like I said before, even when we're creating content for the magazine, the same thing with online, we always want to be providing fresh content for people, but obviously in a way that's a little bit more easily digestible. Like they're not going to read an entire huge um, recipe online, but it might be like a quick cook cooking tip or yeah. like that a fun infographic or like a really amazing looking food video. So we'd again kind of foster that by just answering the questions that we think people have in relation to food. One for easy food is definitely like what's for dinner. So we'd put something up there on Monday, like right hashtag meatless Monday and like just creating those like I guess social um, strategies is a good way for, again, people to kind of predict what's coming. Yeah. And like that with the magazine, they know certain things are going to be in every issue. We want our online community or like our, yeah, our online communities to expect certain things as well. So, and not to like, we don't want to ever push it in their face or say like, you know, be constantly posting about stuff. But um, again, providing content that we think they'll find useful or yeah. just fun, you know? So providing that again, answering those questions for them, we kind of find just goes hand in hand with fostering a good community and asking questions like that, putting things up like, what do you think about this new food trend? Or like, what's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Yeah. Whatever. Things that are fun for people to answer. Um, again, it just seems to get a really good response. And then I suppose also just kind of like making sure you're tapping into all the different communities. Like we sometimes find that you know, helping to promote a local, like say maybe if like a really small town is doing a food festival or they're doing a new food trail or kind of just a new initiative, like, you know, be sure to give them kind of like the leg up yeah. as well. So it's kind of like reaching out and because they obviously as their own small, like actual maybe small town or small community will have such kind of a strong support system by kind of giving that a promotion or kind of tapping into that, I suppose, like you're reaching this whole new group of people. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of, again, like, you know, seeing what's out there and making sure that you're like kind of tapping into all the little bits. But again, I think the main thing, it just boils down to like providing content that people will want. Um, and then kind of marketing or like advertising it in a way that's like going to be easily searchable or easy to find or is going to pop up for them yeah. anyway. Um, it's just, yeah, it's sort of just, it breeds a good community. And then like, Something we, I suppose we do in the magazine is like say our cover st- our cover recipe within the magazine we'd always kind of put like a call to action in a way but like we'd always call it like cook the cover and we found as the months go on more and more people like will take a picture of their mm-hmm. like they will cook that dish take a picture of it and email it to us be like oh look at my version of it and it's great because like the more and more you do that people are like cool I want to get involved in that yeah. too like I want to do my version of it so it's like the more you promote it and the more you foster that I think as well just for your own side like people are going to get involved. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to the flip side of community, have you seen mistakes that people have made with community or I guess like downfalls, things that yeah. maybe people should try to avoid when when yeah. dealing with community? I guess like that, I suppose like, you know, it's always good to remember that even though like you might be, you know, sort of like an expert, like source of information or like you're a, a source that people go to for it, like everyone's going to disagree with stuff. But also it's you know you can't always put things out there and say like this is the hard and fast way to do it or think that like maybe any opposing opinions or anything are going to necessarily like i don't maybe like negate the authority of your content in a way Mm -hmm. so like say especially for instance if we're getting involved in things like 
special diets or if we're putting information out there that has to do with like adhering to like a dairy-free diet or a gluten-free diet mm-hmm. or this or that or whatever. Like you might put something out there and like, especially when things like kind of strike people personally, like, I mean, if you're putting something out there where you're like, we love this chocolate cake, people aren't necessarily going to like get up in arms about it. Like the mm-hmm. good thing about, I suppose, food is in a way it's kind of like a nice catch-all sort of content area. But like when you do get into like specific things, like we've seen in the food community that people really get heated about it. So they'll say like, no, that isn't like a safe thing to say, or that doesn't adhere to like, Mm. you know, gluten-free guidelines or, um, you can't like one was, I remember there was this debate about honey and like in a, in a recipe that was meant to be vegan, I think. And of course, like, you know, certain groups, people would obviously say that like honey is not a vegan ingredient. So it's kind of this kind of thing where it's like, you might not necessarily think, I suppose when you're putting stuff out there that like, there is going to be this like, not even like a backlash to it, but like there can be some real opposing opinions. And we've always handled it really well, I suppose, from our side, but when you can see, I suppose, other communities kind of respond in a way that's sort of like slash or like just negating whatever that person said or opposing it. And like the worst thing you can ever do, especially say like online is like, you know, if you like delete a comment or something like that would be horrible because it's like, you're basically saying to that person who's in your community, whether you like it or not, that like their voice doesn't matter. And I suppose like that, it's all about like a dialogue and keeping it open. And like, we like, we will have had readers write in or um, people post on Facebook and they weren't happy about something, but responding in a way that like, I suppose, you know, encourages like, thank you for like getting in touch with us. And sometimes like you're right. And you have to say like, well, this is why that was in such a way or, you know, but putting it in a way where it's not like you're not getting like snarky about it or you're not getting, you know, put it again, putting them down because for them, they'd rather probably hear like, this is the reason for it. Or like, we do disagree with you, blah, blah, blah. But to say, but thank you. We appreciate you taking the time to interact with us. Um, And I suppose that's when you see other communities where like, I've seen many people say like, oh, they deleted my post and now, and then, then it's like this whole war of stuff. Yeah. And it could have been something over really small. Yeah. So we find like, you know, fostering a good community, even when people are like disagreeing with you, or even when you might be putting something up that could be a bit contentious, it's all just about making that person like, you know, again, feel like they've been listened to and totally. they've been heard. Just acknowledging that. Acknowledging yep. that. And yep. then more often than not, it's crazy. Like the amount then that you get back and they'll be like so nice about it they're like yep. thank you so much like really appreciate you taking the time to get you know get yep. in touch yep um amazing what a little civility will do <laughs> that's the thing it's crazy and i think that's like it's a big pitfall especially with like online communities because i do think people sometimes think like you're hidden behind a computer or something yep. and like even with the magazine sometimes i think people find it um surprising or are surprised that they'll get a person on the other end of the phone or yep you know, we'll take the time to hand write a letter back to them or email them or obviously respond to their like online posts. Um, so like that, I think it's just making sure that you have that like human element to it. And like, as if somebody was sitting across the table from you and disagreeing with you, like you're not going to just walk away from them or just say like, that's ridiculous and whatever, like you're going to take the time to acknowledge them and talk back to them. So hopefully, hopefully, yes. That's what you really want. This again, this, I mean, geez, these, <laughs> these like community discussions can really be, they're not just about content. It's like yes. worldwide. Yes. <laughs> but like, that's, I think really the best thing you can do. And like, that's, I suppose where the pitfalls come from is just not taking in mind, like not keeping in mind that the people that might be kind of putting up something, yeah. um, 
they, they are a person on the other end of it. And so it's just acknowledging that will get you a lot further and kind of keep the community in like a better place. Yeah. Healthy, healthy. Yes. That's what we want. You want yes. a good healthy community. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, so I would like to wrap this up with one last question about community. And that is what are some communities that you're a fan of? Oh, like, let's see. It's funny because I'd say a lot of them are the places where I would get the content. From. Yeah, I was to say it's probably the same answers as like ones, where you get the curated I, content. Yeah, yeah. but it's interesting. Like again, I have to say, like I absolutely love the kitchen because I think they're really like smart about what kind of content they put up, and the people that seem to follow it are also they seem to be good cooks. They're not like I, I guess I really really love that community because whereas in some like say again like gawker or buzzfeed or some of the other online things you kind of you do get everybody it's like a catch-all so you might see a video or a recipe video and you know people are commenting on it and like we'll like we're very guilty of this in the food team because we watch all of those videos that come up and sometimes you know enough say it's from one site or another but we'll be like that's not how you do that properly like what are they doing what are they doing <laughs> and so i think from like a food mind you're like what no like that's not it at all and so um, but then you, it's funny because you see people comment that as well. So it's kind yeah. of fun getting involved in that kind of stuff. Um, but definitely the kitchen, totally love that community. Um, and we can take it offline too. If there are any communities that you are a fan of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just I, in general. I, yeah, just like, in general. Because yeah. I know that you play tackle rugby. Oh, I do. Oh, tag rugby. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> tackle rugby is a whole tackle different element. I definitely do not play that <laughs> oh my goodness no that's the thing yeah I think it's like oh yeah so I'm big into tag rugby totally love that that was yeah. like when I moved here from the states and I was looking for like different sports to sign up to because mm. I was like love sports like what's the intramural thing and you know back home it would have been like softball or like kickball in the summer or like flag football and then here it was like tag rugby it's tag rugby <laughs> like you have to play tag rugby so <laughs> I was like I will do that so that's <laughs> an interesting community yeah it is it totally and then it's like a good you know everyone's really obviously it's like a sport and everything but like people are super social it's the absolute best way to like get to know new people and just kind of get out there and have a bit of fun um so totally love that um and then even just like i guess the food community in ireland is amazing because like you know like i've been here for six years and like in that time even i feel like i've seen it grown so much um and like a lot of people that would have started with like especially if they're kind of just like foodies on their on the side and they would have started like blogs or this and you see them at like kind of fun food events and everything and they've like really taken off or they've gotten cookbooks or you know they're suddenly the expert in like gluten-free craft beers like it's really cool to see like how i guess just even you know the food especially the food writing community in ireland has kind of like been pretty exciting so yeah, I definitely like I you can't and again you see the same people all the time because it is, you know, Ireland's small enough. So it's sort of you sort of like run into everybody and you're like, Oh hey, what's new? And they're always doing these like amazingly cool, exciting projects. Yeah. And I'm out playing tag rugby. So <laughs> <laughs> totally I I say that that probably takes up the most of my time is food and tag rugby. <laughs> it seems like one supports the other. It's so fine. that's yeah. the thing. It's like, you know, you need the energy to sustain the tag rugby and then you do the tag rugby to so eat as much as <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's cool. I totally love it. <laughs> that is yeah. incredible. So thank yeah. you for our conversation today. I had a lot of fun. I know our listeners will enjoy it as well. Yes, thank you. Yes. So I appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So um, join us next time when we talk about all things D. Bye.